Welcome to the Heartland Free Church Sermon Podcast. We are so happy to have you joining us today. If you are a first-time listener or first-time visitor here at the church, we would love to get connected with you. You can click that link in the podcast summary. That is our online connection card. If you'd just like to learn more about us as a church, you can visit heartlandfree.com or you can download the Heartland app in whatever app store you prefer. Thank you again for joining us. We've got a fantastic message for you this morning, and we will be getting into that right now. As most of you know, Pastor Danny and Sue are on vacation in Florida, resting, much deserved rest. In fact, they're probably watching right now. Pastor Danny, good morning. I just got to share with you, Pastor Danny, my greatest fear happened this past week. Yep, where's Pastor Cooper? Wave your hand. Pastor Cooper dominated the donut box. Yeah, it's true. (laughs) My hair coming back. Praise the Lord for that. Warmer. But it's at that stage where it's not long enough to comb. And I can just kind of move it around a little bit with my fingers. It's a weird place. But Diane and Chris, where's Chris? They think it looks great, don't you? Amen. Praise the Lord. (laughs) I want to... Continue to please pray for my precious daughter. Um, Want to put a plug in for the app. Team is going to be coming around to the three Sunday school classes, helping you download that today. So take advantage of that. A lot of great information, especially uh, contact, phone numbers, addresses, and such. And prayer. If you have a prayer need, you can do it through the app. So I encourage you to do that. All right. Today we're going to be studying together one of the most challenging passages in the book of Luke. If we would have read the chapters before that, we would see that Jesus was coming off a series of powerful, great victories. He cast out demons, proving he had authority over the spiritual world. He calmed the storm, proving he had authority over nature. He fed the 5,000, proving he could care for every one of our physical needs. He healed many people, the bleeding woman and many more, proving he was over all our diseases and illnesses. He also raised a young girl from the dead, proving he had even power over death. Jesus showed himself to be Lord of all and victor of all. Amen? Yes. At the same time, I want to ask you to consider the United States. God has blessed us with many victories, hasn't he? Especially over these centuries we look back. The first was bringing us to this land so that we could have freedom to serve him. He gave us enormous beyond all odds, victory over the British Army. Again, allowing us that freedom. He gave us a victory over a terrible institution called slavery. A painful victory, but a victory nonetheless. He gave us victories in two great world wars and many others. He's also blessed us with tremendous prosperity, unequaled in all of time. The United States, I believe, is still the greatest nation on earth, blessed by Almighty God. But now we stand at a crossroads. Will our religious freedoms continue? Will our blessings and prosperity continue? Will God's hand upon us 
continue as a country? I don't know the answer to that question. I have my doubts, especially if you consider the word of God, what it says. But today we're gonna be studying the most important victory, the victory above all victories, far more important than even the future of the United States. Even more important than all the victories and miracles that Jesus performed. The victory that conquered all defeats. We also are going to see how God commands us to participate in this victory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you today humbly. I say humbly because your word is strong, your word is powerful, your word is convicting, it is truth. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. So Lord, I pray that you would speak through me your words, not my words, to each person who is here today, including myself. Thank you for your word. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. As always, I urge you to keep your Bibles or apps open to the passage so you can follow along because I want you to hear from God's word first before you hear from my words, though I believe God has given me the words to speak. All right, let's dive into it. Verses 18 and 19, the confession of the Christ. Once when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, who do the crowds say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, and still others that one of the prophets of long ago has come back to life. Jesus again, we see, starts off with prayer, praying alone. What a great tone setter this is for each one of us. Starts with prayer. Here was Jesus, who just was coming off all these victories, and yet he's seeking God and God's will. That should humble us, encourage us. If Jesus feels the need to pray, what does that say about us? I want to share a truth of mine. It's not uncommon for me to pray 10, 20, even 30 times in a day. I don't say that to brag. Actually, I say it the total opposite. You see, I probably know as well as anybody in this building that if I don't rely on God every step of the way, I'm going to have failures after failures. You see, I know failures. I could write a book on all my failures. Failures of all shapes and sizes. But here's the great thing I want to share with each one of you. First off, Jesus has wiped away all my failures. Praise the Lord. They're all gone. Secondly, he has given me great victories. Not of my doing, but of his Because of that, I I know I not only need to pray, but I get to pray and be victorious in him and for his glory. Please also know that God still gives me failures to keep me humble, to grow me, to carry out his will. Point number one is prayer brings victories. 1 John 5.14 says, This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. 
And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. I often ponder when I read God's word and it talks about Jesus praying, what was he praying to God about? I believe in this case, he was asking God, when do I need to reveal who I truly am and my main purpose for being here? I think the fact that Jesus asked these two questions we read reveals this. The first is, who did the people say I am? They, of course, show that they can only guess who he is. John the Baptist, maybe Elijah. How would we respond today? How would people respond today to that question? They probably would not even know who Elijah is, let alone choose that, let alone who Jesus truly is. When I traveled to Houston a little over a month ago to visit my daughter Hannah, son-in-law Jake, my grandson, Zach, who turned a, a, a year, a week ago, praise the Lord. When I was coming back, I was going to the Houston airport. Hannah and Jake were busy, so I decided I would just take an Uber to the airport, no problem. Except I, I told Hannah, I'm going to take a, a Uber. <laughs> she said, why do you say Uber, Dad? I said, well, down here you say y'all, don't you? So Uber and y'all, y'all need a Uber? She didn't think it was funny at all. <laughs> I thought it was funny. Anyway, so I get in the Uber, and the driver is a young man from Morocco. He had married a Christian woman, been living in Houston for four or five years. We started to have a conversation as the Lord would have it. We got to spiritual matters. I found out that, yeah, he was married to a Christian woman, yet he wasn't a believer. So I asked him, you know, about that. He said, you know, I've read the Koran I've read the Bible. He said, I really see that they're pretty much the same. It's the same characters, the same stories. There's not a lot of difference to it. That's where I jumped in and the Holy Spirit said, Jesus. I said to him, I challenged him, I said, there is, I understand what you're saying, but there's one big difference, and that is Jesus. Who the Bible says Jesus is. I challenged him, I said, said, dig into that. Who the Bible says Jesus is, what he did. I said, on top of it, it'll change your life. We battle a lot of viewpoints in life. Conservative, liberal, Ford or Chevy, Toyota, Honda. Government aid or minimal government. In fact, I did a little research and found the top 10 concerns of people right now. Healthcare. Education, unemployment, climate, our health, foreign relations, immigration, equality between men and women, racism, individual liberty. I don't see who is Jesus on this list. This is kind of heartbreaking. It's our reality, indicative of things today. Now, these are all fine questions, but they don't have any true eternal implications. In fact, these questions, they come and go. If we asked us that 50 years ago, we'd get a whole different list. The most important question, who Jesus is and what he did for us, is not on their radars. That Uber driver verified this to me. 
I've talked to many other peoples in my life that verify that too. Some of them even attend church. Who is Jesus? And when I say most of the world, I mean your neighbors, your co-workers, your acquaintances, your family. I find it in all ages, whether I talk to somebody at the Annandale Care Center who's 90 years old, or if I would talk to a student at the elementary school. Point number two, the world does not know who Jesus is. How does that make you feel? How does it make that feel about your frank group truly not knowing who Jesus is? Verse 20 and 21. But what about you, he asks. Who do you say I am? Peter answered, the Christ of God. Jesus strictly warned them not to tell this to anyone. You gotta love Peter. He was a man of faith, bold. He was the one that stepped out of the boat when everybody else stayed in the boat, took a few steps on the water that sank. Here he again, here he is again, the first one to beat the others to the punch. You are the Christ. As we know, the Greek word for that means the anointed, the chosen. Anointed and chosen for a purpose, the greatest purpose ever. Now Peter and maybe most of the other disciples had an idea that he was from God, chosen by God, but for what purpose? They saw all the miracles, the healing. Was that his purpose, to teach about love? I think it's also significant that Jesus says to them, who do you say I am? Jesus did not say, who do you think I am? Who do you believe I am? He says, who do you say I am? I love Romans 10, 9 and 10. I repeat it a lot. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. There's a powerful thing that happens when we verbally declare Jesus is the Christ. In fact, God's word indicates that declaring who Jesus is with our mouth is part of the salvation process. When I get to share the gospel with others, I'm first and foremost making that declaration to myself, to God, I hope that the other person responds to it. Verse 22, and he said, the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests and teachers of the law, and he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Here's the reason Jesus was chosen and anointed to die for us. I love to include this aspect when talking with others. I believe it to be so powerful. God chose this for his precious son. I'll spend a lifetime trying to get my arms around that incredible act that he would choose his own son to die a hideous death for us, the sinners. 2 Corinthians 5.21. God made him, us, who had no sin to be sin for us 
so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Not only are we forgiven, but we become the righteousness of God. That's an amazing thing. Not only does he forgive us, but we become the righteousness of God over his tremendous sacrifice. I want to make this personal for us. I look out over this group, Heartland family. I see a lot of fathers and son. That's great. Brent Anderson and Logan. Kirk Langben and John. Ryan and his son Parker. Where are they? Right here. Yeah, all right. Let's take it a step further. I'm going to pick on Ryan. How would you feel, Ryan, if another boy messed up big and God asked you to punish Parker for what that other boy did? Let's take it a step further for myself. What if God said to me, Jeff, I want your son Andrew to take the place of the man who did that terrible thing in Buffalo recently, Greg. Let him out of jail and put Andrew in jail, the Wright County Jail, to stand trial before the judge as if he did that horrible crime himself. I don't know about you, but I'll never stop trying to wrap my arms around the love of God to send his only begotten son to die for us. I think on the other hand, we always need to remember the victory part. Not just this act of grace, but also remember that Jesus rose again in three days. Hallelujah. He conquered death. He, he rose again that we might have hope, hope over that death. John 14, 3 says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you may be where I am. Again, incredible stuff. Jesus dies a hideous death in our place, and what does he do next? He goes to prepare a place for us so we can be with him. Yet another reason for Jesus conquering death is in John 16, 7. Very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. The Holy Spirit is an incredible blessing in our lives. He was present this morning leading us through the worship. He steps in after Jesus leaves us in bodily form. Point three is this. Jesus' death on the cross is the greatest victory. The next four verses spell out clearly to us how we should live our lives if we believe and claim Jesus is the Christ. How do we walk the talk? Brace yourselves, this is not for the faint of heart. These are challenging verses to me, to us. Verse 23, then he said to them all, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. If we believe Jesus is the Christ, then we must deny ourselves. I don't know about you, but this one is the hardest for me. 
How do we deny ourselves? Scripture points out two big ways. Matthew 12, 50. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. God calls us to submit to his good and perfect will. This means everything we own, everything we do, and all our relationships are his. We need to let him do in them as he sees fit. What if he said to me, Jeff, I want you to build a wooden cross and carry it up and down the main street of Annandale seven days a week. The second one that scripture points out is Romans 12, 10. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. I don't know about you, we all have this crazy thing inside of us to be the best. Not only to be the best, but to be known as the best. I admit, I love hearing, you were right. You did a great job. You won. You're the best. It doesn't come naturally for me for us to honor one another. Think higher of them. It's no small thing to be a disciple of Jesus. It's a process. I say process because no one's gonna attain it. No one's gonna finish that journey. Verse 24 and 25. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit his very self. Jesus is calling us to put all our hope in him, not the things of this world. It's okay to enjoy our home, 171 Harrison Street West. We just can't put it above Jesus he calls us even if, to show us that we don't put our hope, our total hope in that. We have to be willing to even sell our homes as God leads us, whatever God's. What's that thing in your life that challenges you? God asks us to put nothing before him. Even our wives, our cars, our sports, how about our bank accounts? Ouch. Oof. Jesus goes as far as saying, if you put these above me, you'll not gain eternal life. Verse 26. If anyone is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angel. Here's another big one. There's numerous ways we can show that we're not ashamed of Jesus. One big one is to be willing to have spiritual conversations with others, especially those who don't know the Lord. You all know that's a big thrust of mine here at Heartland. God puts it on my heart. I want to encourage you all today. Lyle and Eric put together a video the past couple of weeks with, from three of our people talking about having spiritual conversations with others. If you've got a pen and paper, you're going to see that they make about a 10 statement, strong statement. So I encourage you, write down one or two of those statements. Let's go ahead and play it. 
Every single person that I have ever come to know, whether they are saved or unsaved, there's a chance that they can go to heaven by a conversation that we have. And so I would love to do anything that I can to make sure that any one of them gets to go to heaven. All of them, ideally. The main thing is you're, it's heaven and hell. You go into one or the other. So I guess uh, after reading through, you know, some of Ezekiel where it says, you know, that, that you will make it into heaven, but you'll hear the cries of your brothers that you didn't share with, you know. And I just told the Lord, not on my watch, God. I said, whoever you want me to share with anytime, anywhere, I will be obedient to you, you know. And that's when my life was changed. Well, I think specifically, you know, with kids having frequent conversations or, or even, you know, with friends that you may have who aren't Christians, um, I think it's important to have those conversations to, you know, ultimately have them see more about Christ and more about um the gospel and, and what our lives are all about. Um, I think that in my experience with my kids, especially, but also with other adults, it's, it's not normally like a one time, one conversation thing. It's like, you know, we call it at our house, the raindrop effect, where there's lots of little conversations here and there that we have that hopefully will build up and become more later. Well, I think, you know, praying even while you're just right there with them and get, you know, that the Holy Spirit will give us the words to say, because it's not my words. I, I don't know nothing, you know, but the Lord gives me the words to say. And it's it's just amazing how, you know, scripture will come to me and I'm not one of those that really, you know, memorize scripture, but scripture comes to me at the right time, you know, through the spirit and to, to give that person. And it's just like, it's not from me. It's, I'm just a messenger. For me, I feel like talking with kids is easier. I, I feel like I've been around kids a lot being a teacher and it's just kind of my background. So it's a little bit easier for me in that. Yeah, I did with, uh, one of, uh, the twins players and I won't mention no names, but, uh, um, and, uh, we were, uh, kind of a little bit heated, both of us, you know, and, uh, and then I just looked him in the eyes and I just told him, I said, I just want you to be in heaven with me. And then it just, just calmed down everything because that's what the argument's about heaven or hell. I've had a lot of good discussions with people who aren't believers. I can't say I have been super successful, but I'm still there and I'm still planting those seeds. And I, it, I can tell that it has made a difference. Everyone wants prayer, but they're afraid to ask. And, uh, you know, um, it's just amazing how, you know, sometimes you feel like you're shot down or something like that. but you know, the seeds are planted, you know, and it's the Lord that takes it to the next level. We never get to know, maybe one day in heaven we'll be like, they'll be, you know, remember that time you shared or whatever, you know, and so, um, you know, and then I've shared like with uh, guys, you know, with driving concrete truck or something, and, you know, I, I shared with them about heaven and hell and, and about accepting Christ as your Lord and Savior. And I said, you know, if you don't hear me, you know, you're gonna come to that day and the Lord's gonna say, why didn't you listen to that crazy construction guy? 
that was telling you about me. Our family does it in a couple different ways. I think one of the ways that we try to have those conversations is when we're doing our family devotions, which which we have, you know, on a regular basis. They're very imperfect and, and loud a lot of times, but, um, but you know, th- that's one way. But I think the more, like, practical way or, or way that we do it more regularly is through just conversations that we have, um, pointing out, um, you know, if we're like on a walk or we're at the park, you know, pointing out um, God and what we see there. So like, oh my goodness, the sky is so pretty today. Thank you, God, for that. Or, um, you know, talking about just kind of everyday life things in that way. Um, And then I think also another area is during times of discipline. And I think those are really good opportunities to share the gospel with your kids. and talking about, you know, God's love and grace and, um, you know, using those, what can be for kids, especially of a certain temperament, very negative experiences, um, and kind of turning them around and, and giving an opportunity to talk about the gospel a little bit more. Encourage you to watch the entire video. The video is about 10 minutes on the website. I loved all those statements. Three of them that kind of grabbed me was, one was when Marie talked about that it's a series of conversations like a raindrop effect. Also loved when Brad said, I looked him in the eye and I said, I just want you to be in heaven with me. Also, Jordan talked about how I've had a lot of conversations. I don't know how they're turning out. I hope that some will have impact. Can you relate to that? Boy. Thank you, Lyle, Eric. This leads me to the last point of the message. We can't be ashamed of Jesus. Our salvation depends on it. God commands it, and we get to experience victories in doing it. I want to finish with a story about a young woman in our church I'll call her Margaret. About a little over a year ago, a group of us were listening to Margaret. She was sharing about a ministry here that she's involved in. Now she had this group of young girls that were somewhat new to the church, and she was telling them all about who Jesus is, showing them scripture. Now Margaret, as she shared this, she got more and more emotional, more passionate. How she told these young girls who Jesus is. Look at the scripture, memorize it, memorize And then she got really passionate. Her eyes were welling up. Tears were starting to come down. She said, then I told these young girls, go home. Go home and tell your mom and dad. Tell your mom and dad about Jesus, who Jesus is. Tell them about those verses that you're memorizing. Praise the Lord. We all need that sense of Margaret in us, that passion. Ministry happens here inside our four walls. It happens outside our four walls. Jesus did the heavy lifting. He died on the cross for us. He paid it all. Do we know that prayer brings victories? Do we know that the world does not know who Jesus is? Do we know that Jesus' death on the cross is truly the greatest victory? 
Do we know that we are commanded not to be ashamed of Jesus? Salvation comes to those 